today on the flex we've got friars coming in and friars going out as providence exchanged freshman jair davis for justin Manaya from south carolina and we break down the micro and macro of who the friars are going to be bringing back to this roster next season and what it could mean that was a nice move by pipkins taking it right to the rack himself Wide open three, left wing, and it's good. Nylon, the dunk likes that, Matt. A three from the right side, and it's good. The one, Pipkins, the man, yet again. Hello, and welcome to the Flex. I'm Matt St. Jean. I'm Joe Howie. When we started off our last episode, we talked about how Jair Davis was transferring, but we were going to talk about the Big East in the last one. We were going to talk about Jair Davis another time. Well, that time has come because the other shoe on that has dropped. That opened up a roster spot, and in comes Justin Manaya, the fourth-year player from South Carolina. So let's focus on who's going out here. Jair Davis, he was a three-star guy, ranked plus 200 in the recruiting rankings, but somebody the Friars liked a lot got a concussion and then did not play at all of this season and is off the team now. So never suited up in his Friars career. What were your initial thoughts when you saw that news? Um, you know, I was neither here nor there. I was just kind of indifferent, really. We never really got to see him play. So it, I did. I have no idea if we just lost a great wing or if we just lost another Greg Gant type. You know what I mean? You, you don't know what you lose with him leaving the roster because – we simply did not see him play. Now, was there potential there? Sure. They recruited him for a reason. He's a tough, you know, wing forward type player that could play small or play big. The type that Ed Cooley thrives under, or the type that thrives under Ed Cooley, rather. <laughs> but you, you just don't know what you're losing here because other than high school highlights, you don't know how he is at the college level yet. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we talked a lot about how some of the guys leaving needed a change of scenery, and I'm guessing that's the case with Jair Davis. And Cooley said that there were going to be changes. I think they're trying to change the culture from the inside. We have no reason to believe Jair Davis was a problem for the culture. But there's a lot of shifting going on this year. Like you said, I mean, it's just it's all question marks and it seems low impact because the Friars don't know what they missed. If Jair Davis turns around next season and becomes a star, we're going to all feel a lot differently then than we do right now. But I mean, he got that concussion pretty early on. It set back his development and... That's tough for any young athlete to go through. So I'm guessing that was a contributing factor to why we didn't see him this year. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. Not unlike some of the stuff with Greg Gant as a freshman, uh, having to take some time away and just losing some playing time, losing some confidence, and it, it builds into something. Yeah, like the Greg Gant transfer, you know, you can see the writing on the wall with that one, especially with the the response to the media that Ed Cooley had after the DePaul loss at Madison Square Garden. Greg Gant was the type of guy that, like you said, had issues freshman year, you know, lost some confidence. And really, I think he was, and this is this could be an entire podcast in and of itself, I think he was the player that suffered the most from no official preseason, and preseason mm-hmm. meaning summer workouts and September, yeah. October. Because I think the coaching staff had him slated to replace Diallo in that wing forward role and when you lose three months of preparation that's a tough role to fill and that's not on him that's just you can't really blame anyone that's COVID yeah, but that's again a, 
a completely different situation because J.R. Davis just didn't play straight up. He, I don't know if he practiced, but he just we did not see him on the court. No, no, I don't even know if he was on the bench anymore by the end of the season. I think uh, there was. I don't think anybody is overly shocked by this, and whether or not this is a. I mean, it's hard to have any opinion on this at this point, but we can talk about the guy who's coming in. Justin Manaya is coming in from South Carolina. This is a guy who physically fills the same mold. Jair Davis, 6'6", 205. Manaya, 6'6", 215. Same type of guy. Manaya led his team in rebounding last year, scored seven points a game. And you watch the film, it reminds you of a current friar. What was, what was your first thought I sent you that video earlier today? Um, so for context, today, what was it, around 2 p.m., Matt texts me the Manaya highlight tape, and he goes, Name the friar that he looks like. I watched the first shot of that play, and I thought lefty A.J. Reeves. Because I wound up watching another minute and a half because I didn't know if Matt was trying to get me with a trick question or something. If you watch, and we can probably link this to the Twitter and the Instagram, if you watch his highlights, he moves uh, very similar to Reeves. They have this. It, okay, his jump shot release is a little bit different, obviously, because he's a lefty, but just an overall look and style. But he has... The very similar body movements when it comes to dribble drive penetration, his jump stop, and paint play. If you watch him and you watch Reeves do all three of those things, it's like a mirror image, literally, righty to lefty. Yeah, because it's, it's flipped. Got the southpaw. He's from your area of the country. He's from just outside yeah. New York City, northern New Jersey. So, not. I mean, he's not a local kid, but you're taking a kid from the northeast, which the, the Friars have been going down south a lot lately for recruits. So, coming a little bit closer to home for somebody like this, getting the transfer to come back up north. And you look at what South Carolina fans were saying, it, this doesn't seem to be a guy who's going to be a massive impact player, but it gives you solid depth. And uh, we can make the, compa- the comparison to Reeves. He's not nearly as good of a scorer. Um, I think his highest scoring no. game last year was 15 points. He doesn't shoot the three ball particularly well. In that in that game where he scored 15 points, he was one of six from beyond the arc. So that's not he's not going to be that guy who's going to light it up from the outside. But very very good rebounder, very solid on defense. I think he complements a lot of what is already seen in this Friars lineup. Yeah, Matt, and you and I were playing around with the depth chart today and who he kind of reminds us of. I think if you take a couple of aspects of AJ Reeves's game and Jalen Lindsay's game and fit that into like an Isaiah Jackson mold. I yep. think that's what you get with Manaya. He's not going to be this, you know, pounding score. Like he's not going to fill the stat sheets, but if Reeves needs a blow on the bench, you know, Manaya can come in and you're not going to be sweating defensively. You, you know, he's not going to blow his coverage. He's not going to let someone pull it in his face. And, chances are he's probably going to hustle and get the rebound. So great, great bench piece that we're adding on here. I'm excited to watch him play in the Friars jersey. Again, I I think you're going to see the defensive IQ of Jalen Lindsey in A.J. Reeves scoring, not really scoring, body movement mold with probably the, the role of Isaiah Jackson off the bench. Yeah. And I think it says a lot about the roster construction. Obviously, you lose David Duke, so you're trying to replace him. But you add a guy like Al Durham and you add a guy like Manaya, those are in the same mold as an A.J. Reeves. These are your wing wing guard, wing forward guys that are supposed to be scorers in some way or, or defense. They can play two, three, or four, a little bit versatile. 
and especially because Ed Cooley likes to play his zone or his man match defenses. When you do that, you have to have a lot of guys that are positionless. So when I see Durham and Manaya coming in, yeah, that's depth. It's also a challenge to AJ Reeves. It's saying, hey, you're you got to be a leader next year. You got to step it up because we're bringing in other guys that will take playing time from you or will take the starting job from you if you don't do what you're supposed to do. Manaya started 19 of the 20 games he played in last year. 21 of the 22 games he played in the year before. And as a freshman, he started 30 of 32 games for South Carolina. So, I mean, it's I don't know if he'll be a starter for the Friars, but he's going to push for it. He has that experience. Let me tell you, man, the, the, with, the, with Durham and Manaya incoming, that 2-3-4 hybrid wing guard, wing forward role that Ed Cooley loves so much, that positionless role, it, that, that starting spot's up for grabs because as much as Friar fans love A.J. Reeves, I think he's probably one of my favorite Friars when he's on. You know, he's he's got to up his consistency, you know? Yeah. We, we can't streaky. be seeing these games. Yep, we can't be seeing streaky performances from him or else he's going to get benched. There are guys on the roster that can take his spot this year. Yeah, and it's it's like... If you're looking at it from the negative point of view, that's what it is. It's a motivating tool. somebody to try to prod Reeves, get more out of them. The, the flip side of it is if it does do that. Now, if you get more out of Reeves, who's expected, he really has to be a team leader next year with no no more yep. Duke. I mean, he's the, no more Duke, no more Nichols, no more Monroe. He's the only guy from that class who's left. So he wow. has to be a leader for these guys. And now he's pushed to step up. And if he does, if he fills that role, if he lives up to the hype finally and becomes that consistent scorer that Friar fans have wanted him to be, now Manaya is a depth piece who in the, the five minutes a game that Reeves isn't on the floor, he's going to come in, he's going to play solid defense, he's going to rebound, he's going to bang on the glass. He also is going to give you some depth behind Noah Horkler. If you want to play a small ball, Manaya can play the four the way he can rebound. That helps you out a lot. Um, and he he's... Decent with the ball in his hands. He gets almost two assists per game. So he can help you facilitate the offense, even if he's not scoring very well. And I think, ideally, if the Friars are going to be a good team next year, then he slots in best as a depth piece. He's going to guy that's going to come off the bench in multiple positions and plug holes. Kind of like what Alpha Diallo did early in his career. Minaya is not nearly as good, but he can do some of the defensive stuff and rebounding that Diallo did. He can kind of fill a role the way a Drew Edwards or a Khalif Young did. Spot guys who can come in in defensive situations and help you out. Yeah, Matt, and while we are obviously high on him right now, you know, every time a new piece is added to the roster, you like to look at the positives. I also think that we need to, as fans and as podcasters, be aware of the learning curve that's going to take place now obviously it's not going to be as sharp as last year's with no off-season training you know these this next this incoming team benefits from having a summer and i can't believe i actually have to say that but in the world that we live in and the, se- the season that we just experienced you see how critical that is to the development of a team these guys coming in div- are very fortunate because they get the summer session right still they don't play big east games until december so a learning curve, I think, absolutely for him. You know, he's coming from South Carolina to Providence. That's a, a a program jump. He has to learn Ed Cooley's system. And this is something that we saw with 
Lawan Pipkins, and he's the no he's and no Horker last year. Yeah, oh, I completely forgot about Horkler. Yeah. <laughs> Pipkin, Pipkins, and Horkler are the two poster children for in-game develop. Uh, excuse me, in-season development, and I think that's something that we really need to take into consideration when talking about Manaya, when talking about Durham. You know, all these. Look at Goodine. He didn't even get the opportunity to have that learning curve until the last game. Yeah, and and Croswell really struggled at points this season too, and yep. seemed to be a little bit better by the end of the year. And it's worth remembering, like they're going to have more of an off season than they did last year, but it still won't be a traditional off season. And Lawan Pipkin struggled early on, even with the traditional off season. The last transfer that we saw who came in and made an, an immediate impact, I think, is Emmett Holt. I don't think they've gotten one that's done that since then. And I don't think that's a knock on transfers. I think that's just Ed Cooley's system, and maybe you get a little bit unlucky. But let's remember, at the end of the day, it's how you're playing at the end of the season that matters a lot more than how you're playing at the beginning. So if Maniac comes in and is struggling at the start, let's not be be quick to, to start throwing stuff at him. Sit back and realize that this is a pattern. And as long as he puts it together, by the time you come around to Big East play, things are going to be all right. He's not going to be the star, but he's a cog, a cog in this machine. It'll, it'll be a useful one. It'll help th- get things going. I know we do want to talk about something else here, too. Talking about this in the big picture, Joe and I, I mean, Joe, you texted this to me earlier, so I'll let you take the lead on this. But we spent a lot of time earlier going back and forth about how much of this Friars roster is returning and what that's going to mean for next year. And we noticed a pattern over the last couple of years. Joe, I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, uh, just a side note before I, I introduce this. Today, this was during work. Matt and I both worked like 9 to 5. Well, I work like 9 to 7.30, but we work day jobs. A nice, a cushy 10 to 6 job. <laughs> We're working our day jobs, and in the middle of it, we we... I took out a chunk of like 35 to 40 minutes just to text Matt about Providence basketball. So, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, so I got, I kind of came up at the flex. Yes, exactly. I kind of came up with this, you know, there, there aren't real hard statistics backing this. This is kind of just top of mind uh, information, but I call it the experience ratio. And what it does is it measures the amount of the, uh, play the amount of teammates that played significant minutes and or every game and compares it to the new coming teammates and or players that did not play significant minutes or every game. So we broke it down over the past two seasons and this incoming season. So I'll I'll give you the rundown real quick. 2019-2020, just a note, this ratio excludes Jimmy Nichols and Chris Monroe as red shirts. The first ratio, like I said, is returning members that had played significant minutes and or every game. Malik White, David Duke, A.J. Reeves, Alpha Diallo, Nate Watson, Khalif Young, Emmett Holt. The second half of the ratio is players are, that are either new to the system or did not play a significant number of minutes or every game. Greg Gant, Lawan Pipkins. That ratio for that season was 7-2. to two. We finished fourth in the conference with a record of 19-12 and 12-6 and 12 and in Big East play. For 2020-2021, the first half of the ratio, David Duke, A.J. Reeves, Nate Watson, Greg Gant. The second half of the ratio, Jimmy Nichols, Chris Monroe, Noah Horkler, Jared Bynum, Bryson Goodine, Alan Breed, Ed Croswell. Again, excluding J.R. Davis as a redshirt, or a, 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 
you know what I mean, like a makeshift red shirt. That ratio was four to seven. We finished sixth with an overall record of 13 and 13 and nine and 10 in conference. So uh, immediately in between the two seasons, I, I, it, it can't be stressed enough how many role players we lost. I, I mean, I think the preseason expectation weighed far too heavily on Duke Reeves and Watson being these gigantic impact players. I think the only one that actually statistically lived up to that expectation was Nate Watson. I mean, I don't think any he did anything wrong this season. Maybe yeah. the first the first half of that UConn game at home where he blew his coverage and Ed sat him with like 30 seconds into the game. Maybe that was the one blooper he has all season. But you got to think like you we relied way too heavily on four guys, three guys really, and Gant to mm-hmm. carry us to a top of the Big East role. Yeah, and I took I took this this theory and started looking into some of the data behind it. I looked into the minutes played to see what the Friars returned. And if you go back to that 2018-2019 season when they struggled, the Friars only returned 54% of their minutes played from the year before. So it's over half, but it's about half of their minutes played. The next year is the year with Luan Pipkins where they made that run and everything came together. Obviously, it was a slow start, but that's the best Friars team in recent memory, the way they finished, they brought back 74% of their minutes from the season before. And then last season, it was just 41%. That's a massive drop-off. That's significant. And if you look at the trend, now we're back up to 65% for next season. You keep Reeves, you keep Watson, you keep Horkler. That cohesion helps you. And looking at these trends, I mean... Ed Cooley and the Friars do better when they're able to, any college team does better when you're able to keep guys around and keep minutes and not have that massive change. If you keep David Duke around, obviously that looks better, but that's not in the conversation anymore. But you are keeping your starting point guard in Jared Bynum, your top 50 recruit who's now going into his senior year in A.J. Reeves, and two fifth, or Horkler now a sixth year guy. Yeah. Two, of these, two of these guys who were veteran guys who played a lot last season, that's a lot of experience to be bringing back. Plus, you're bringing back Goodine and Croswell, who gave you those spot minutes here and there. And the guys you're bringing in as transfers, Manaya and Durham, I mean, they're veterans. These guys have played a lot. Not for the Friars, but they've played a lot. They're experienced at basketball. And when it comes to team construction and cohesiveness, this is all, going into next year, it's a lot more similar to what the Friars did in 2019-2020, then in 2020-21. Wow, those are odd years to say like that. Um, oh, yeah. But it looks more like that. And obviously, this is not the only thing that matters. There's talent. But if you want a reason to be optimistic yep. about the Friars next season, they have experience. And that that does mean something. Right. And I'll give you the rundown because I we put this ratio together, too, for the 2021-2022 season. The first half of the ratio has Bynum, Breed, Reeves, Horkler, Watson, and I know there will be some controversy on this one, but Croswell. Croswell played every game. Whenever Watson was on the bench, it was Croswell in. So uh, big minutes, small minutes, he played every game. By the definition of the experience ratio that we made up today, he is on that side of the ratio. On the flip side, you have Durham, Epps, Manaya, Legend Jeter, Castro, and Goodine. Um... I mean, I I know guys like Durham, Manaya, and Goodine are experienced players, but this ratio is specific to the Ed Cooley system. Just like if it was Seton Hall, it would be 
incomers to Kevin Willard's system or Villanova, incomers to Jay Wright's system. It's specific to the system. The same thing goes the previous year with Horkler and Bynum and the year before that with Gant and Pipkins, specifically Pipkins, who was a grad transfer type guy. So although those guys are experienced, it's their first year in the Ed Cooley system, which is why they're on the second half of the ratio. But this year's ratio, 2021-2022, is 6-6. to Obviously, I don't think we're going to have a 12-man rotation. I'm sure someone or two guys will wind up redshirting this year, but that's what it looks like right now. As it stands right now, we have 12 scholarship guys, 6-6 ratio. Yeah, and this is a team that's going to be returning five of its top seven in terms of minutes played from last year. Obviously, you lose your best player and your most minutes played in David Duke. You also lose Greg Gant, who who's fourth in minutes played, uh, four minutes ahead of Noah Horkler. So just barely ahead of him for the total last season. But other than that, you're returning all your top guys. So you know what you have, and obviously these guys weren't good, but if you believe in development and cohesion and an extra offseason, that could mean something here. Yeah, I mean, you got to leave no stone unturned when you're trying to figure out what the Friars are going to be and what they're going to put together, and I think this is valuable information. And this is a reason to be optimistic and gets me excited about what Ed Gooley can do. And a team that is... Uh, both his offensive and defensive systems are so reliant on experience and, and understanding the way he wants you to get it done. That extra year helps a lot of these guys. And I imagine for Horkler and, and for Bynum, Bynum's still young and developing. That's going to help him yep. a lot. Reeves now, um, I mean, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him, at least at the start of the season. And we're going to find out very quickly how he responds to that. Yeah, and um, I'll start with Horkler. I think Horkler, well, obviously... I think this is a given. Nate Watson is the most important piece coming back. We saw the jump he took last season. I can't imagine the jump he's going to take into next season. He he said he wants to be able to stretch the floor and work on his defensive and offensive movement. I I see him turning into a Mamu Kelajvili type big man. But if he Horkler, puts in the work, I mean, if he turns into a Mamu, that watch out, Big East. <laughs> he could be Big East Player of the Year. You know he's going to turn into a Mamu. That kid's got the best work ethic on the team. But is that I, I, th- do, I think do you hear that, Joe? What's that? You hear that? Nate Watson plays the two. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can replace <laughs> Mamu who plays the two. If Nate starts bringing the ball up like a combo guard, then maybe we can change that. But right now, it's still Mamu who plays the two. He's the only six eleven guy I've ever seen in the Big East bring the ball up. But, we gotta we gotta see Nate Watson check up a three just once in his career. Has he done that before? If he's, no, but he if he one. can hit that, he can hit that. No, he doesn't. Check it. Look this. Look at the stats. I don't think he has a single three point attempt. But if he can hit that nineteen f- he uh, one. footer, he has one three one three point, point attempt. attempt. And it was a miss. <laughs> okay, so I was wrong there. But he he can hit that nineteen footer if you just put him in the corner. He can hit it. You just change the position on the court. He hits that nineteen footer from the wing. Yeah. Just move him in the corner and outside the line. I'll bet you he hits a three this season. At least he took, one. He took the one three-pointer in the neutral site win over South Carolina at Mohegan Sun back in November of 2018. That's uh, That was the first game Jimmy Nichols started. It's going way back. Yeah. It, if I remember correctly, Nichols had a sick put-back dunk that game, and the commentator said, Jimmy Nichols, remember the name. He's only yeah. scratching the surface or something along those lines. And I, I was thinking, like, oh, wow, said, Nichols. 
Yeah. Is going to be a huge piece, and now he's not here anymore. Yeah. I think they described him as having go-go gadget arms in that game as well, which was a favorite oh, line of mine. Yeah. I, think I brought that out on the broadcast a couple times. I don't know who was commentating that one, but you made an impact on the Friar fans. I can tell you that much. It was some lower-level ESPN guys. It was the yeah. college, uh, the Thanksgiving college basketball tournament week where uh, it's just a bunch of random guys like Bill Walton, but... We've we've strayed so far from the point. Um, I don't remember what we were talking about. Basically, I think. Yeah, speaking of my Bill point, Walton, from the point. Oh God, we we should have him on the podcast. That would be interesting. Maybe he can eat like a lit cupcake or something like that with the candles still. Oh God, he if is Bill a character. If if, if Bill if, if Bill Walton comes on the show, I guess I'll I'll eat a cupcake with a lit candle in it. Why not? If you're in the mood for a good laugh or just to watch something that'll bring a smile to your face, go on YouTube after this and type in Bill Walton and, and just watch the highlights that come up. He has his own highlight tape of him moaning like an alien, barking like a dog, taking his shirt off. Like he is the most wacky commentator in all of college sports. I, I mean, I, I think that's hands down in any sport. Uh, he's one of the wackiest people, period. You don't need any other qualifiers on that. <laughs> yeah. He's entertaining. But, uh, reeling back to the point here, um, Watson obviously uh, is expected to take a, another jump bigger than the one that he took this year. But I think Horkler and Bynum are two of the most important returners for us. Horkler, we've, we saw the jump that he took midseason. You know, that's in-season development at its finest right there. Went from a seven minutes a game type guy to almost averaging a double double, you know, in the final, mm -hmm. what was it, seven, eight games. And he was a really important piece for us. Now that he's comfortable in Big East play, there's no learning curve. He's going to come in and he's going to pick up where he left off. Bynum exactly. obviously missed out on nine games with the groin injury. But when he's healthy, he is an important piece. He's a Chiron Cartwright type point guard that can set the table but can score if needed. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you tie in Breed. And Croswell off the bench, you have a good core returning. It's not four guys. It's not three guys with a 10-minute-a-game sub. It's four starters with two backups, you know? And then you, you bring in the other pieces. There's a lot to be excited about. But as we've known, you know, seasons don't always get off to the best start. So let's stay grounded. But there's hope. There's reason to be optimistic here. Yeah, and we got quite a long time to, to break down everything that's going to happen in this offseason. So make sure that you are staying with us to get all of our thoughts all offseason long. We're going to have some deep dives coming to you. I think we're going to have some video content coming to you. We're going to hit all of these notes throughout the offseason so that you can be the, the most informed college basketball fans in the Big East. So we want you to be. We want to be entertaining, but we want to make sure you know what you're talking about, too. So... If you want to interact with us, if you have questions you want us to answer, be sure to tweet at us and follow us at the Flex Hoops. You can also email us at our Gmail account, theflexhoopspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to ask us a question or just make a comment or just say hi, really anything. We're friendly people. Just just send us an email. We'll respond to it. Do that. Or, uh, or if yeah. you want to send us money and have us rate some sort of food, we will do that too. Yeah, we accept bribes. So, yes. yeah. Pay, if you pay us money, we will probably do whatever you're asking us to do. Um, oh, we are, maybe, maybe not whatever. Maybe not, maybe whatever. not whatever you ask us. It's, it's a very loose probably on the front of that. Um, 
But you know what? You can always, there's always good ways to make money. We're entrepreneurs here. We're open to, to new opportunities. But make sure to reach out to us if you like what we're doing. Um, make sure you're following us on Twitter. Make sure you're following us wherever you listen to this. Make sure you're subscribed so that you make sure you're on the newest episodes right away. You can you can jump on our content. You want to be there when it's out. Um, yeah. And thank you for listening to us uh, all off season long. Hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, go Friars. And yeah, definitely. If you want us to try food, we will do it. <laughs> it's summer. We will do it. Go Friars. Go Friars.